Welcome to the Motorcycle Vagabond Show. Today we're going to talk about two-upping off-road. And we're here with Mike. So tell me about yourself, Mike. Well, I've been riding motorcycles for about 45 years and uh, do a lot of um, adventure riding with my wife riding two-up on the KTM 990. And how did you start riding? Were you an on-road or off-road rider? So back as a kid, it was off-road. My roots are all off-road. I did a lot of um, off-road racing and whatnot here in Michigan. And uh, my wife and I started riding two-up, mostly sport touring and kind of long-distance touring sort of stuff and cheap college transportation going way back. And then a um, handful of years back, we got into the adventure riding. And, and it was like... Um, I don't know, I found my home because I'd been there, done that on the pavement, and I loved riding off-road, and I loved racing off-road, and then now suddenly I could do it with my wife. I couldn't race. She wouldn't want me to go that fast, but um, but just doing it, and we can do it together, and we can share a lot of those kind of backcountry adventure riding experiences, and we love it. And she puts up with going off-road with you, huh? Oh, yeah, she put... <laughs> She's a real trooper. I, I I have to give her give her that credit because she she just doesn't complain. She's got a lot of trust. I, evidently, I don't know why in my riding skills. And um, you know, my prime directive is don't drop the bike while Sheila's on it. And that's that's what I try to do. And I have dropped the bike um, oh probably three or four times, but it's always been at super slow speeds and just some stupid little bobble. Isn't that how most drops happen, though, is stupid slow speeds? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think, I think sometimes you get a little too relaxed. You, you kind of let your, let your mental guard down or something. And, and, you know, I know one time I dropped it. We were in um, either southern Colorado or northern New Mexico in some mud. And it had been nasty, nasty mud. And then we're, it was mellow. It was nice, easy. And then suddenly the front tire and the back tire got cross rutted and the back tire pitched out to the side and down we went. And, um, but yeah, it was what, 10 miles per hour. And it's like stupid me, you know, I should have been paying closer attention. Right. Most of the times that I dropped my bike is cause I was going too slow and it just, you know, you don't have the momentum to get over what you're going or it grabbed my handlebars. Yeah. Yeah. No, you, you mentioned momentum and that's probably been one of the hardest things for my wife to, to learn. She's, she's good now, but I think early on, you know, those circumstances, let's say it's a rocky hill and you need some momentum to carry up it. And, um, you know, from the passenger perspective, you know, first off, they can't see all of it. They don't necessarily know what's coming up. And, uh, just to understand that, look, no, sometimes we got to stay on the gas and that's, hard i think sometimes for a passenger to adjust to so um but she's used to that and like i said she for some reason trusts my riding and um, we did a portion of the trans-canadian adventure trail last year um, from quebec into um, ontario and it was a lot of rocky not long long hills but just some rocky technical crap that um, really it kind of pushed her comfort zone a bit push my comfort zone riding wise but um we still love it so you've done you did you did some tct have you done some tat no we haven't ridden the tat we've we've talked about it we did ride the continental divide ride we did that from banff to mexico um, a few years ago and um that's you know that 
it's not particularly technical. There's spots that are. Um, the mud, um, the mud in New Mexico was absolutely killer. We had one day that was, I think it took us like, you know, six hours to do 60 miles sort of thing. Wow. That's pretty yeah. rough. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was slow going. It, it was a frustrating day. So but what was, was your first adventure this... bike and what do you ride now? Uh, first adventure bike was a, a Suzuki V-Strom 1000. And um, that was kind of our transition I didn't really know. I didn't know what the hell I was going to do when it came to a bike. I wanted something different from the sport tours I had before. And so that seemed like kind of it could stand in, you know, and actually it's a comfortable sport touring sort of bike too. But um, so we did a lot of riding with that. Um, we did one big trip with a, actually the northern part of the, um, of the Continental Divide ride when I think about it. And, um, then bought the KTM 990 that we have now, and we've got 60,000 miles on the 990, and absolutely love it. Um, the big thing I found with going to the 990, the V-Strom, the ground clearance just wasn't there, and we beat the snot out of the skid plate on the V-Strom. And the 990, the skid, skid plate still beat up, but, um, you know, the, the added ground clearance is nice. Yeah, not nearly as risky on blowing your oil pan one of these days yeah right exactly so some of the stuff we did in um utah a couple of years ago for example coming down some steps i just took a bad line and um you still you know you're still going to slam the skid plate sometimes the downside when you got ground clearance is you have tall seat height so um, my short legs sometimes have to scramble a bit how tall are you i'm 5'10 but it's mostly body i only have a 30 inch inseam Okay, so you have a pretty average-sized inseam, but you're on the KTM 990. Yeah, right. So Can you put works. both feet down? No, no. Oh, no. How do you ride a motorcycle without both your feet on the ground? <laughs> <laughs> it can't be done, can it? <laughs> you know, that's um, one of the most common questions you see online is, you know, how do I how do I find yeah. a bike that fits me? I'm like five foot nothing. And I'm like, learn how to ride with just one foot down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you pick your spots where you stop. You know, you, you can find that low spot where the tires are in a low spot or something. And I'm comfortable with it from all my time on the KTM 300 and off-road bikes that are really tall. Um, you know, I'm I'm used to it. And you just pick the spot well, and it's fine. Right. It's it's a lot of practicing of scooting off a bit. You know, if you're really short, you got to kind of put your hips off the bike a little bit. Put yeah, your foot yeah. down. Hang your cheek off the edge. <laughs> Yeah, hang a cheek, get a feet down, and get a foot down. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so you tour with your wife, and do you camp? Yep, yep. We probably 90% of the time that we're, when we travel on the bike, it's in the tent. And once in a while, we'll take in a motel room just to, you know, dry out or just, you know, have a hot shower or something. Yeah, clean up a bit. Yep, yep. Take my you wife know, You want to keep your wife, yeah, so don't want to smell yeah. too bad for too long. Yeah. happy wife happy biker <laughs> there you go and so how do you fit all of your gear i mean are you always riding with the gear on the bike too or do you drop it off before you go ride or so you are you doing a loaded bike and your wife yeah yeah loaded bike and the wife um she's she's a skinny mini so that that helps um but we pay, i do pay very close attention to the weight of my gear and and the size of it so you're cramming in all the stuff for 
um, two people on a bike and it's not so easy and you got to think it through carefully. And when you have a choice between two products, one that's smaller and, and lighter, you go with that one. And it, so it's, it's backpacking gear. You, you have to just buy everything that you would think of it as if you're traveling, uh, carrying it on your back. And what kind of luggage do you have on the bike? Um, right now I have a uh, giant loop around the world panniers. And then a giant loop. I have two different tail bags. We just tried a bigger one. Oh, God, what is it? One's a Tillamook and one's a Columbia. One's bigger than the other. Um, and then a, a Wolfman tank bag. And you're able to yeah. get everything you need for camping for two on the bike yeah. and those yep. bags. Very yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, not a problem. They're, they're big bags. Now, prior to that, I, I actually I have a set of, um, oh, what are they? The SW Motec um, tracks hard panniers mm-hmm. and actually that time when i dropped the bike in uh in new mexico in the mud my wife's foot got caught underneath the pannier and it actually it, it bruised up her foot pretty bad it didn't break anything and it burst a seam on her boot and that was the point where i said i'm going to soft now i'm not going to ride with the hard panniers anymore hmm. that's good to know there's a lot of debate about hard versus soft and the, the biggest consideration i've seen for hard versus soft is you get security with the hard but you get more risk with it if you're going to off-road ride right exactly the hard panniers are really convenient and the soft panniers yeah they're more of a hassle and it's hard to find there aren't many that are big enough to travel for two uh so the giant loop the round the world panniers have been fantastic for that they're 45 liters i think it is so there's tons of room 45 liters each bag. So you got That's 90 actually liters. a lot of good size right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're great. Super well built. Um, absolutely waterproof. So, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled with those. They've worked out well. So what does your wife do when you're riding? Does she stand up with you? Is she helping you balance? Or does she just plant herself in one spot and be predictable? Uh, all of the above. <laughs> so the majority of the time, she's seated and she's an extremely good my my way of thinking with the passenger is i want i want to deal with a constant i don't want a passenger that's moving around a lot on the bike so if it's just so i have 125 pounds of a passenger sitting there that um it's constant it's not moving and i would rather deal with that than somebody that's going to suddenly shift their weight one way or the other because i can't predict that now, at times, depending on the train, um, sand, you know, people will tell you, oh, yeah, you should both stand in sand. Sand sucks. I don't care where you are when you're on a big bike. One up, two up, it sucks. And um, so, yeah, sometimes she'll stand up. The majority of the time, she's seated. Hmm. So that works out pretty well for you? Yeah, yeah, not a problem. Um, and, you know, and we've gotten into some, you know, technical riding before. And the other key thing is slow down, stupid. You know, everybody gets in such a hurry. And it's like, I'm out there to enjoy it. And if I'm having to push the pace that it's, I'm not enjoying it anymore, why do it? And I want her to enjoy it too. Right. So you don't need to beat your wife up and or try to get her to fall off to have a good time. Right, right. right. So, or she'll beat me up. <laughs> So have you ever, has she ever had to get off to walk up a thing or? Oh yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. We, and we don't hesitate with that when it gets to be too gnarly technical, you know, sometimes the mud, um, some of the stuff on the TCAT in Canada, uh, she, she would just get off and she'd just hike the hike a big hill or something like that while I take the bike up or down it. Well, there you go. That's very understanding of a passenger to do such a thing. Yeah. Well, it's, it's teamwork. And that's, I think that's one of the key things is that if you're not working together on it and, and she's, we've ridden together for, Oh my God, 39 years. Mm -hmm. And so she knows how to put it. She knows how to read me and she can read the train too. Where So she can be looking ahead and anticipate, Oh, big, gnarly, rocky uphill. He's going to want a lot of momentum. So she'll brace up and be prepared for me to stay on the throttle up a rocky uphill or something like that. You know, that explains why I see a lot of relationships have an issue being two up is that you kind of have to be in sync with each other and be understanding of the whole situation, you know, how she's able to predict what's going to happen and be adaptive to what you need her to be doing. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, now, one thing uh, we do have is we use some Senna headsets so we can talk back and forth. Plus, then she sits there and listens to an audio book or something. But so we can talk. So a lot of times, you know, we're going along and I see something gnarly coming up and I'll just tell her, hey, hold on. Um, and she's fine with it. And she'll go back to listening to her book. Hmm. Are you still running stock seat, seat on your bike? Um, I have a seat concept seat on it. And she actually uses on on top of the seat concept seat a um, oh crap what am I thinking of uh, Airhawk um, seat cushion mm-hmm. and so the added advantage of that it also puts her up just that I don't know how much higher let's say an inch higher so she gets a little bit better view ahead that way she can be a little bit more prepared for what's happening it's, it sounds like she actually can read the road very well for someone who doesn't actually operate the motorcycle. Yeah, actually she does. And she's, she's, well, we've been together for 39 years and riding. And, and so she's seen uh, the stuff I used to do when I'd be racing. And so she understands and she would hear all the conversations about momentum, for example. And she's just learned over the years. Back when you were racing, did you ever get hurt? Um, <laughs> yes, many, many times. <laughs> so yeah, I, you know, torn ACLs and ruptured discs and broken ribs and arms and all that good stuff. So you've been there, done that off-road experience. Yep. yep. Yeah. I, I, I stopped racing about uh, eight years ago, something like that. And, um, just that wasn't very long injuries. ago. No, no, I wasn't. It wasn't. So it, no, ironically, I'm going to do a kid's race next weekend just to help a friend out so I can get the kid into riding some Enduros. Oh, that's pretty cool. It's really good to see people helping the new generation get into motorcycles. Oh yeah. That's, you know, I love it. Um, it's, it's a big family and I don't care if you're talking adventure riders or the Enduro racers. I, I mean, it's just, it's a big family. And that's what I love about, it. you know, you mentioned the security issue, uh, like with the hard panniers versus soft. And, you know, for all the, we've done, I don't know, like 300,000 miles of, of riding um, on, on the big bikes. And we've never had an issue with anybody trying to steal stuff. Not once. And um, I, maybe I place too much faith in humanity, but um, I don't worry about it a whole lot. Stuff can be replaced. 
You've been pretty lucky. I know quite a few people who have had many things stolen from their bike. Yeah, yeah. And and maybe I stand to be proven wrong, but I'm not going to let it ruin my trip. Well, you know, where you park your bike and how long you leave it unattended is going to matter a lot as well. I, yeah, I've had right. two things stolen off my bike, both of them in San Jose, California. Mm, okay, yeah. yeah. Not a place and... to leave your bike unattended. And I was even watching it one time and still got my helmet stolen. Oh, seriously? <laughs> yeah, I was at McDonald's and, you know, I was checking my phone, looking outside. Someone walked by and swiped my helmet. Yeah. Now we'll do things like lock, like with a big cable lock and run, run the lock through the jacket um, sleeve and through the pants and through the helmet chin bar. And at least it's going to be a hassle for somebody to get it off. It keeps an honest person honest. Yeah, right. Yeah. And that's about it. it it's really just the inconvenience. I keep a cable on my bike as well to, to loop through things that I want to leave on it because I have just the milk crate. Which isn't mm-hmm. any more secure than the giant loop soft bags and any soft yeah. luggage. Right, right. Yeah, so, nice to get through it. You know, I've oh, considered, yeah. you know, the, I don't know who makes them, you know, the locking net type things that could go over the soft panniers. Yeah, and I've seen those. I've, I, I've never used them. They're intriguing, but I don't know. It's still, somebody can still put a knife through there and kind of rip open an opening and be pulling stuff out. They're not going to get big, hard things through, but they'd get clothing. So if they want my dirty underwear, I guess they can have them. (laughs) With my bike, I always leave the bike stuff and my food and clothes on the bike usually. And then I have a backpack with all my camping gear, which is my most expensive stuff besides the bike. Mm -hmm, Right. And that bag always goes with me. It's got my laptop and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you have your valuables that you can pop on and off easy. Yeah, so I, I'm going to Central or South America one of these days, and I will always take my things with me. So my camping gear goes with me, and my bike's gear stays with the bike, because if the bike gets stolen, there's no reason why I need to have my spare parts or tools. Yeah, right, good point. So hopefully they still stay in the bag, but I'm also pretty yeah. paranoid myself. I don't go very far from my bike, especially in populated areas. Yeah, I, we don't either. I mean, I'll always park, like if we go into a restaurant, I'll park where I can see it. Um, and then when we're camping, most of the riding we're doing is um, back in the boonies. So there's just a bear to go look at stuff, that, you know, and steal things, <laughs> not a person. Those dang bears eating all your food. Yeah, right, right. We've talked about those before. We have talked about those bears. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of wondering, though, I wonder if you could use that Kevlar fabric to make motorcycle bags out of. You know, that's an interesting point. So what about a big Kevlar bag just as a security bag? Yeah, I wonder hmm. if you can knife through it is any easier than a claw can get through it. It's, it's an interesting idea. I've always yeah. had the idea that they should make the aluminum panniers to be able to be ate out of, eaten out of. There we go. Right verb oh, here. Oh, okay. Like you could put the pannier on the grill in front of the fire mm-hmm. and toss it a bunch of stuff and make stew or goulash. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. So then, then you have all your food set right in your pannier. <laughs> <laughs> I've had some strange ideas about multi-use items for motorcycles. Yeah, yeah. You know, speaking like of a, the eating. Oh, I was just going to say like a uh, skid plate that can be taken off and cooked on. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I can't say I would. I, I, I would not want to do that with my skid plate. <laughs> 
Maybe I have to wash it first, but <laughs> yeah, right. Maybe. Yeah. You know, the, you mentioned the eating, um, when you're traveling two up, obviously you're carrying more food and you know, the logistics of one between all the gear, you know, you're going to have a bigger tent because you got two people, you got two sleeping bags, two sleeping pads, all that. Then you have the food. But one of the nice things that we found, and we kind of, um, it costs a little bit more. So we'll pack in, oh, I don't know, like three, four days worth of um, like freeze dried food or, you know, the quick, simple, ultra lightweight stuff. But then we'll supplement it with a lot of stuff off the shelf. And potatoes are wonderful. And <laughs> some of the stuff my wife can do with a potato and freeze dried food and frying them up together, it's like, I just love it. So that's one thing for people to think of is that you have to think through. You've got two people there. Um, just think through what you're going to have to do with your equipment for, for eating, too. Don't forget that. There's a lot of benefits to two people on one bike and two people on two bikes, especially. You only need one tool kit. You know, you only need one cooking kit. <laughs> Speaking yep. of cooking kits, what do you carry? Oh, boy. It's a hodgepodge. Um, some bits and pieces are gsi it's i think that like our fry pan is a gsi is the brand and then we went to the the um like the the pot if you would that you would boil water in and the plates they're collapsible plastic but they're the the frying pan is is or silicone my wife just corrected me um the the frying pan like it has a metal bottom but it's collapsible small sides um I'm trying to see if I can find it here in my gear closet. That's and, pretty cool. I've never heard of those before. Yeah. Um I don't know what brand it is. Okay. Um my my amazing passenger is looking for the <laughs> It's it's neat stuff. This this cook gear is the absolute best. You have to be careful that you don't get flames kind of licking up around the side of the pot because it, you know, it would melt it. I've got um, something called the bear bowl, which has a metal bottom, and then it's made from like the fireman's suits material. So oh, you really? Can put okay. it, you can get fire on the bottom or you can put it on, on a stove, but you can't get fire up the sides, otherwise it'll melt it. But it collapses down like a Chinese takeout container. It looks like that kind yeah. of. Yeah. Yeah, so the, the Cita Summit's the brand that we have, and then we use that that GSI, the hard like for a little fry pan type thing. So that Cita Summit, so the the full kit, which would be a um, like a I don't know what, one quart pot maybe, and something you could use for a fry pan, then two bowls and two cups, is oh what is that maybe inch and a quarter thick by oh seven inches in diameter. Well, that's not bad at all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and so that's that's for two. And that's, you know, back to that question of how do you pack all the crap you need for two people on a bike? Um, it's finding the little products like that that save a little bit of a little bit of space. So speaking of products you use together again, do you have you done any research into the couples sleeping bags that zip together or the pads that go together or double pads or double sized quilts or anything like that? So we've had sleeping bags in the past that zip together, which are nice for obvious reasons. <laughs> but um, what we find, you know, by the end of the night and, you know, I'm, I kind of toss around a lot at night, 
um, we would just soon be in separate bags. Um, now, for the sleeping pads, we use the X-Pad Sin mats that are just, I guess ours are the wide versions, but they're just two separate pads. Do they stay together, or do you guys, like, don't mind the space between each other? Um, we, they, we just smush them up side by side. They're not connected. Hmm. I kind of figure with, like, cuddling in the middle of them, eventually you'd push down in the center and they'd split. Um, yes, they do. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a little bit of an issue of cuddling. I was just wondering if you yeah. ever tried the ones that were double-sized or anything that was specifically for couples. No, no, we haven't. Hmm. So you've got the cooking gear, you've got the camping gear. What kind of tent do you carry? Um, right now we have a a marmot Thor three person. Um, you know our rule of thumb is you always go, you know the the rating <laughs> for two people you want a three person tent. Um, our prior tent was an Alps mountaineering tent that was supposedly a three person. No way in hell would you get three people in there. It would be impossible. And so three this midgets. marmot. Yeah, right. Yeah, three midgets. That's the case. <laughs> this tent, you you could actually get three people in it, and um, it's a bomb-proof tent. I mean, it was expensive, but it, it's a bomb-proof tent, and it's it's comfortable. It's got a big-ass vestibule on one end and then just kind of a more normal-sized vestibule on the other end. So we can, you know, get ourselves in there. We've winter camped in it. We can get all of our gear in there and have tons of room that's awesome and with the new bike i'm sure you don't carry many spare parts or tools do you do all your work at home and then go out and then i i carry a fair bit of tools um basically i go through i I do all my i'll do my routine maintenance from my toolkit so then when i identify oh crap i need to have a 13 millimeter socket too um, so yeah, I've got pretty much all my tools. My hope is that I've done my maintenance so I don't have to deal with it on the trail, but we have done that. We've sat in a, in a campground in uh, Colorado before waiting for parts to be overnighted to us. <laughs> the fun joy of waiting for parts. I had to do that for yeah. like two and a half weeks last month because all the warehouses were behind. Yeah. Oh, I suppose right now everything's shipping so slow too. Finally, my warehouse is back up to the par because I'm working on my DR350. I now have three DR350s. Yeah, I saw that. So you're kind of you have a little of a addiction to motorcycles, do you? The DR350. I'm actually yeah. gonna get one of them running <laughs> for my boyfriend to use, so he can go to the bunker biker get together next weekend, and then I have a rally I'm putting on in August. Because okay, he got yeah, hit, he got hit by a deer last month. He, he got hit by a deer. So how's that happen? So he's riding along in Nebraska, heading west into Red Cloud, and he's going in 60, which was about five under the speed limit at 10:45 at night or so, and a deer mm. t-bones him. Oh my, yeah. I like jumped right into him, and so his bike's in the shop, and you know parts taken forever still. So luckily, like I said, my my warehouse is caught up, but apparently Harley Davidson's not. Yeah. So did he get hurt? No, actually not any, no injury in, in, uh, no injury to him and okay. he kept the bike up and didn't go down. So Okay. No, I actually had coincidentally it was a fawn that ran basically into the side of my front wheel. And I was doing probably sixty and I didn't go down, killed the fawn instantly and it just broke some little plastic bits. But yeah, that um, puts your heart in your throat immediately. 
Right. I'm glad to hear that you also got hit by a deer and didn't go down because that's a big debate. <laughs> a lot of riders like, oh, there's no way you're going to keep it up if a deer hits you. Well, if it's a small deer or a young deer. Yeah. Or... yeah. Yeah. This was just a little, it was a cute little Bambi with white spots and everything. So. Oh, uh, little baby. <laughs> yeah. I felt really bad. But. <laughs> mm, so anything else about two-upping that you'd like to give to people? Any advice for any new couples that want to get into this? Take it easy. You know, remember you're there to have fun. Um, don't get in a hurry. People, you know, they try to be gnarly adventure biker dudes. Um, that's fine when you're riding with the guys, but when you have your wife on the back of the bike or your girlfriend, just slow it down. Have fun. That's probably the most important thing. And do what you can to make them comfortable and think through like their ergonomics on the bike. My wife has long legs. So I do creative little things like when I lash the tail bag on, I make sure it's shifted rearward just a little bit extra to give her more room. And then she has the air hawk cushion that gives her a little bit more leg room. And then I have foot lowering brackets for her foot pegs so that she has a little bit more leg room. So you just add up all those little, they, they all add up. Just those tiny little steps make a big difference in comfort. I'm telling you, I can ride, I have a DR350 with the Seat Concepts kit as well, and I can ride mm-hmm. it more comfortably than I can the back of my boyfriend's Harley. You know, I'll get on there every yeah. once in a while to go eat or go for a little cruise together. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, man, the back seat's not a comfortable place to be on a motorcycle. Yeah, no, it's not. And that's why I think sometimes guys will tend to um, uh, dismiss, you know, we'll do all this stuff. Oh, I need different handlebars. So they're more comfortable. I want bar risers. I want this, but they won't think those things through for the passenger. So think those things through, make sure they've got a good backrest and ample leg room and the comfortable seat. All of those things add up and, um, you know, happy wife and happy biker. <laughs> Definitely. It's been really great talking to you. I hope some people that want to get into two upping get some good information out of this. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's fun. We've been doing it for a long time and um, I wouldn't have it any other way. That's amazing. Well, you have a great time and I hope you get out for some cool rides and I really want to see some pictures of your gear and where you've been. Okay. Yeah, I'll do that. You know, go um, snoop snoop around on my Facebook page. You'll find some. (laughs) Definitely. It was great chatting with you. All right. Take care, Z. All right. You too. Thank you to everyone who listens. If you like this show and you like the content and you maybe learned a thing, please consider becoming a Patreon subscriber or doing a one-time donation with PayPal to show me that you really love us. I would really appreciate it. Thank you, guys.